Welcome to the Awaken Podcast. We are so happy that you have decided to join us. Hopefully, you will find the next few minutes challenging and refreshing as we consider together how God is asking us to respond to His grace. If you are listening because you are unable to join us at our physical location, thank you for keeping in step with us, and we will look forward to seeing you in person next Sunday. If you are joining us from outside of Anchorage, then please drop us a line and let us know where you are listening in from. We would love the opportunity to connect with you. If you are exploring faith for the first time or just trying to figure out what Awaken is about, please don't hesitate to drop us a line and introduce yourself. We welcome any question you might have about life, the Christian faith, or Awaken Church. May God be with you as you listen. Like on Wednesday, I just want to tell each of you, glad to see you guys. I, uh, I'm always encouraged when I see you guys come on Sunday. Like I was telling my friend Chris, it gives me hope to keep going, you know, when I see you guys faithfully come and despite all this stuff, and I just, you gladden my heart. I'm glad to see you guys, each of you. Um, today I want to tell you a story of, from the book of Proverbs. It's the story of wisdom. This is the, maybe, I think, the second greatest story ever told. The first, I would guess, to me, my opinion would be the gospel. Jesus died for us and died for our sins, made a way for us to see him go to heaven. But this is the second, and it might even be the first because it's sort of all the same. A few of you may have heard this, but the greatest story never told. It starts off, before I get into that just a second, um, I started off a long time ago. I have Unlike many of you guys, you guys are successful and are smart and all the other things. I am a goofball, a goober. My wife's always trying to see there's another husband maybe that she can get or trade me in for. And uh, so I come at you with that, just not higher than you, just where you're at with you, a fellow sojourner in life. So I don't know what to say to my kids. I don't have anything smart or wise. So I thought that maybe the Bible could really help out there. So I told uh, my kids wanted to have a cell phone, and uh, I know I'm the worst parent because I don't give my kids a cell phone. And I, I don't know how to all deal with all that garbage that's on there. So I just, they said, Dad, we want a cell phone. My other said, Dad, we need our cell phone. Us kids, we need this in our hands. So, okay, okay. Uh, I tell you what, I'll get you a cell phone. You learn Proverbs. And they said, great, which one? I said, all of them. They said, Dad, that's not going to work. I said, no, I ain't kidding. And, uh, and then I got really convicted that why am I asking them to do this when I'm not willing to do it? I'm old. I'm stupid. I don't get all this stuff. I can't. That's for the young. They have the mind. No, you need to do this. And I just, I argue a lot with God, like, like Jacob wrestling with God. I do that all the time. I don't know why, but I do. And he finally... Uh, put it on my heart to read, so I would go running. Every verse takes 3.5 miles. For those who are smarter, I'm sure you could do it in, in less, but I would put it in little baggies, and I would run with it, and look, and run. And so that's why all these are folded up in sweat, and they've been to Mexico, they've been on the North Slope, they've been rained on, they've, they're in bad shape. Um, anyhow, that's the backdrop. 
do you think God has always been wise? And I would say, yeah, I think God always has been wise. The only God wise Savior, you know, of course he is. And my next question would be, do you think that wisdom has always been? And I, always, and I want each of you to check this in your Bibles. Don't take my word for it. At first I would say, yeah, I think wisdom has always been. Well, let's go back in time. What is the story if we start going back in time, the beginning of the Bible, where do we get to? We get to Genesis, right? God made the world and the earth and all of us. What happened before that? Is there a story before that in the Bible? What, what if there is? And I would open this whole thing and say, for a moment, I know probably we all believe in God, but for a moment, what if there really is a God? What if he really does love us and he really does care for us? What if there was a time before that when he set out a framework for his love to us, the greatest story of hope, of him wanting to live in us? If you turn, I, I don't think we have it up here, but it's in Proverbs 8. It starts off, mine is from NIV, so if you want to follow along in your Bibles, you can. This is the story of wisdom. Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice at the highest point along the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Beside the gate leading into the city at the entrance, she cries aloud to you, O people, I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. You who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, set your hearts on it. Listen, for I have trustworthy things to say. I open my mouth to speak what is right. My mouth speaks for my... I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true. For my lips detest wickedness. All the words in my mouth are just. None of them is crooked or perverse. To the discerning, all of them are right. They are upright to those who have found knowledge. Choose my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing, nothing you desire can compare with her. I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior, and perverse speech. just want to stop there for a moment. You know, when we define these terms, when I started going through, I said, Lord, I don't want to read anything, what anyone else has to say about Proverbs. Would you just say whatever you want to say? And maybe I can get it. And so here, as you go along, it says, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. Wow. So there's the definition the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Do you know it's also the beginning of knowledge? The Bible also says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So here you have this great big key that's the beginning of it, the fear of the Lord. Well, what is the fear of the Lord? Later on, it says here, to, here it says, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. Maybe is is like an equal signs. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. In Proverbs 22, 4, it says, Humility is the fear of the Lord. It's the beginning. It's like humility equals fear of the Lord equals to hate evil. What is this great thing that is with humility that is so central and key to this whole framework that God puts in, for, in front of us? Part of it is, is we want to be king. If you look at the three sins, right? It's... Uh, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, pride of life, 
All of those I'm guilty of. All of those are for me being, uh, to some degree, all of us are guilty of that. What is the key of it? It's I, it's me, my, it's the elevation of me. And, and God says, stop. I want for you to put me first. Get on your knees. Ask me to lead your life. And for some reason, we have such a hard time. As men, we have a hard time. I don't want to bend my knee to anybody. My friend who just passed away would tell me, he said, Steve, many times I get in my office and I just get on my knees because I know I'm going to have to do it one day. Bow my knee before God say, God, you are God, not me. The more we do that in our life, God comes in and says, dude, you got it. That's what I want from you. I want to be king, not you. Now I can do something. Before I couldn't do something. Well, I could, but I didn't because you wouldn't be humble, you know. Out in the foyer here, there's this little pamphlet. I don't know if you, some of you guys hear it. When I was growing up, my dad used to read it. I thought, how legalistic. We heard this every morning, and now guess what my kids are saying? Dad, you're so legalistic. We read this. Yeah, whatever. Um, this, this week... This week, we sort of do this in the morning when the kids go to school. It's just sort of like a huddle, like in a football. Before a play, everyone huddles together. We read this, we pray. Okay, rah, rah, team, this is our action. This is where we want to go. And out the door we go, everyone, 100 miles an hour. Coming back to humility. This is all scattered all over. I'm hoping you guys can just jump with me because it'll make sense in the end. God opposes the proud. On Tuesday it said, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble, James 4, 6. These are the ones I look on with favor, those who humble, who are humble and contrite in spirit, who tremble at my word, Isaiah 66, 2. As we humble ourselves before God, he lifts us up. What is that about God's way? He wants us to be humble. He wants us to go low. When we go low, he says, I can do something with that. And when we go low, he lifts us up. His whole economy is different. Everything doesn't make sense to us, but it makes sense to him. By us going low, he lifts us up. How did he come to earth? He came as the servant, right? He washed our feet. This is the mightiest king, the greatest creator, the only creator, and he came to earth humbly washing our feet. That's just incredible, and that's how... God wants us to live. Back to the story. I wisdom dwell together with prudence in verse, whatever verse that is, verse 12. I wisdom dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have insight. I have power. By me, kings reign and rulers issue decrees that are just. By me, princes govern and nobles, all who rule on earth. I love those who love me, those who seek me, find me, with me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold, what I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice, bestowing a rich inheritance on those who love me and making their treasuries full. So here's the part of this story that gets really interesting. Up to this point, I was getting it, and this is totally blew me away. I didn't know. I was undone by this for months, years. I just sort of been awash in this, these, these uh, chapters. Here's, where, here's this hidden part that you guys are wondering that you may not have heard. 
The Lord brought me, this is wisdom talking, the Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was formed long ages ago at the very beginning when the world came to be, when there were no watery depths. I was given birth when there were no springs overflowing with water before the mountains were settled in place. Before the hills I was given birth, before he made the world or its fields or any of the dust of the earth. I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundaries so the waters would not overstep his commands, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Here, wisdom is being made. God brought forth. It said it was given birth. How can that be? I always thought wisdom always was. And I started thinking, well, what's the beginning of wisdom? The beginning of wisdom is to fear the Lord. Well, what is the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Why would you need to hate evil if you're in heaven and there is no evil? There is no evil. Before any, any of the evil had happened, Satan had made a choices. God knew ahead of time what was going to happen on earth. He wanted communion with us. He wanted to live with us. And, it now, and, and to me, it, so one, I asked one pastor, and he says, no, you're dividing God up. You're taking away his abilities, da-da-da. He went on and on. And I thought, you know, the earth has always been in God's eyes, Right? I mean, it, he brought it forth, he created it, but he knew it was going to be before it ever was, right? What if he brought forth wisdom for us at a certain time? Here in this passage, it shows that God did bring it forth and made it for us. Then I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. Now then, my children, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not disregard it. Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For those who find me find life and receive favor from the Lord. But those who fail to find me harm themselves. All who hate me love death. So here, here you can see that wisdom is saying, I delight in mankind. I was rejoicing when the, world, when the Lord God was making this whole world. Here's wisdom beciding. He had just been brought forth and he's rejoicing in mankind. He's excited. Why would God make this wisdom before the world? I look around at how big the world is and it's a big deal. He made the world, the universe, all these different things. But before that, he brought forth wisdom. This, this is a big deal. This is the whole, the whole focus of him wanting to speak in our lives, to walk with us, is to bring forth wisdom so that we may know him. At the end of this chapter, you may say, I said, oh my goodness, Lord, who wouldn't want wisdom? It's the greatest gift, your communion with us. Who wouldn't want that? By the way, when we th talk of wisdom, there's a couple different ways. I don't know what is. I haven't found one. Maybe you guys have of wisdom in the Bible. Uh, Levi once said, I think he said, a discerning between physical and spiritual matters. I thought prudent spiritual perspective. But maybe the best one is God's gift to us is insight for living. In 9.6 it talks about walk in the way of insight in some ways. 
Isn't that what, what it is? Wisdom is walking in the way of insight. Right there, the answer is in the Bible. And when we talk of understanding, and we're going to get in the next chapter here, it says knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So when you see understanding, can you really understand anything without a perspective of God in that? I guess we can't. Because that knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. I'm not the one who said it. The Bible says it. Okay, we come to the, that part. We say, who wouldn't want wisdom? Yeah, give me that. Sign me up for that. The greatest, this hope that we have in the devil, the great deceiver. What can he do? He, he doesn't create. He mimics. He lies to us. He cheats us. He wants to steal from us. The guy doesn't know how to speak the truth. All he wants to do is counterfeit us and hate us and ruin our lives and do anything he can to screw us up. And so here, what does he do? I can't beat that. It's like an ace of spades. You know, the Lord throws that down. He, he doesn't have anything. Maybe I shouldn't say that in church, but anyhow, whatever. Um, <laughs> it's the trump card. And so what does the devil do? The devil thinks... I'm going to do the game of uh, counterfeit, of cheating. So what does he do? Invitation of wisdom and folly. Wisdom has built her house. She has set up its seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also sent out her servants. She has also set her table. She has sent out her servants and she calls from the highest point of the city. Let all who are simple come to my house. Remember that phrase. For those who have no sense, she says, come, eat my food and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of insight. What we said defined as wisdom. So here, remember this. Here's wisdom. Both wisdom and folly are likened unto two women. Wisdom is working hard. It's, she's standing. She's working. She has servants that she's sent out. She's prepared. Wine takes a long time to grow. I don't know anything about it, but it seems to take a long time. You've got to care for it, water it, plant it, whatever. It, but she does all that stuff, and she has cattle. She's raising this all. She's doing all this work. An industrious person. At the end, she invites us wisdom. Come, eat my food and drink the wine I've mixed Leave your simple ways and offers the promise of life. Leave your simple ways and you will live, walk in the way of insight. There's three sections here. Here's the next one. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. Instruct the wise and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through wisdom your days will be many, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you're a mocker, you alone will suffer. Here comes folly. Here's the opposite. Here's wisdom. And do you remember where she was at? Her house? She was standing at the highest point of the city. Here comes folly. Folly is an unruly woman. She is simple and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house, not standing, she's sitting, on a seat at the highest point of the city. What? It's like houses right next to each other. Calling out to those who pass by, let, who all go straight on their way. Let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says... Stolen water is sweet, food eaten in secret is delicious, but little do they know that the dead are there, that our guests are deep in the realm of the dead. 
this dates me, because most of you guys are younger than me, I think pretty much everybody, maybe a few, but I think I got most of you. Um, there used to be a movie a long time ago that was pretty cool. It was called The Princess Bride, and I remember that growing up. I'm not proud that I've seen it because it's sort of a girly movie, um, but anyhow, there's a scene in there where this good guy comes up, and, there, and the bad guy has two cups there, and you can't tell which one is which, and they actually both had poison in there, but in the, our example, one of them's good, one of them's bad, and they're going around, and guess what the devil is doing to you? He's not just doing it to me, but to each one of you each day. He's trying to mess you up. How are you going to pick? Do you realize that he calls the same thing? Remember that phrase I said? Let all who are simple, let all who are simple come to my house. So wisdom is saying that, and folly is saying that, and they both have a cup. How can you know which one is inside of it? Do you realize that she bought her cup, worked for it, has something to offer? Folly has nothing in it. It's stolen. It's not even hers. It's not even wine. It's water. Who knows what's in that water? She has nothing to offer. But you and I, we don't know it. And you say, how do I know which one to pick? Where do I go from here? How do we make a right example? Is, it a, is, is life truly a 50-50 game where you come down and you pick this way and that way? God offers wisdom to us. If you pick folly, it is in the realm of the dead and many are the victims, she says, and her guests are deep in the realm of the dead and that there are many of them there. At the end of chapter 9, I'm going, who can pick right? How can we possibly pick right? We're doomed. We have no chance because the devil is so good. They're both at the city. They're both at the highest point of the city. They're both calling by. People are just going by. It says to the simple. That's where we start off. The simple. And the, and the call goes out the same. How do we know? We don't have a chance. I was so depressed after nine because we're hosed. <laughs> chapter 10. Chapter 10 comes the Proverbs of Solomon. And here's the hope. The Proverbs of Solomon, colon, many smarter people than me in the Bible and theologians say that the first one through 10 are thematic, one through nine are thematic, 10 through 30 are non-thematic, and then 31 is thematic again. I think, and they're way better, they're smarter, I get all that, I disagree. Can you imagine God not having a theme in the Bible? It's like he wrote something down and just, oh, there's just... Matterings. I'm going to tell Solomon to do that. That sounds good. Let's throw that in there. God has so much theme. You know when you go in the book, and there's, there's like concentric circles. That's how I picture them. There's the simple. There's the mockers. There's fools. And there's the wicked. And we progress from one. And some, when you're in the ways of simple, you start getting into the ways of mocker. And, you, and God has, do you know in the book of the, in, in the rest of Proverbs, it talks about the eyes, the lips, the mouth. You, all these things are described, what God has. And they're like bullets. I, I have, uh, when I go four-wheeling, I have this old gun. And I don't have a semi-automatic because it's got thrown in the mud. It's it's been, I literally have dropped it in a river and we found it uh, like 40 miles back, a long trip, and it still worked. And that's why I take it every time because it's just simple. 
And so that gun has six things. You turn it around, you put your bullets in, and it shot, probably shouldn't bring that up at church as well either. Um, but guess what Proverbs is? Proverbs is the, these wisdom that God gives us like bullets for our gun. He wants to walk with us through life, and he gives us this ammo, if you will, for us to see, for us to choose who to date, who to marry, how to live, what business deals to go with, how to act as spouses. Now there's hope because it literally says that, the Proverbs of Solomon, colon. And I would go through and I would say, wow, that makes sense, that makes sense. Do you know that in 11, here's this interesting verse, 11 too, I'm just skipping a few verses and then we'll get back to finish up the main when Proverbs 11.2 says, when pride comes, Proverbs 11.2, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. So here's a riddle for you guys. I've never had yet a person who solved it, and I challenge you to be the first. If you are, I want to shake your hand afterwards, but here it is, okay? You got to think really hard. Have you ever met someone in your life that you can think of that is wise and proud? Think hard, because I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I know someone who's wise. Yeah, but they ain't proud. And I know someone who's proud. Yeah, but they ain't wise, are they? Why is that? Because you can't be what God resists. God is against you. When we're proud, he's against you. He loves us when we're humble, when we fall on our knees and say, Lord, like King David, I screwed up. Would you take me in one more day? Would you help me to live? Lord says, thank you. And he's for us. Isn't that sort of weird how God's economy is the opposite? How he wants to be special in our lives, to love us, to give us hope. And we can do that by being humble before him. Twelve two. Probably shouldn't bring this one up in church either, but it is in the Bible. Um, Twelve one. sorry. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. But whoever hates correction is stupid. What? I read that. The Bible's calling us stupid. I thought it was hope. No, he says you're an idiot. You're stupid. If you hate correction, what? I read it again and I remember reading it. That's what it is. God wants us to, hate, to embrace correction. So where does this all take us? Coming back to chapter 4. Here is King Solomon. Who's he writing to? Oh, his son. He's asking his son to live his life better, to make good choices. Where did he get it from? Why did Solomon, why did Solomon ask for wisdom? Do you remember when Solomon was a young guy, he wanted to become king? What did he ask for? He said, Lord, I want wisdom. But why? Why did he do that? Why, why, why? And I totally missed this. I had a friend who started memorizing it with me. I think he stopped around chapter 4, but he was the one who called me. And he told me about it. I was so mad at him because I didn't see this. Remember, I was telling you, I maxed out on one amp of power like that. So here's where it comes. This is where it gets really, really interesting. Why, why, why did, did uh, David do this? All right. Get wisdom at any cost. Chapter 4 probably get into Levi's next sermons or whatever, but it'll teach him to uh, give the pulpit up. <laughs> get wisdom at any cost. 
Listen, my son, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. For I too was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he taught me and he said to me, Take hold of my heart with all your words. Take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you'll live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forsake wisdom and she'll protect you. Love her and she'll watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, though it costs all you have. Get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she'll honor you. She'll give you a garland of grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. Here is David. Can you imagine now King Solomon is now telling his son, listen, once upon a time, I too was a little tiny boy and I remember my dad, I was still, the, the, the word in there, that why I think it was when it was young, at least this is in my opinion, because he says, uh, for I too was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. You know, when kids get old, they're not cherished by their mother anymore. You know that, right? Um, it's like, get out. Um, but so here he's little, and his dad is saying, I know, I'm going to get in trouble for that afterwards because moms love their kids, Yeah. Anyhow, so here's David as being little, right? And what's he saying? Solomon, sorry, Solomon was little. David is going to Solomon and says, listen. He's grabbing him by the lapels and he's probably fear in his eyes. And he says, listen, get a hold of wisdom. I've had women, I've had wives, I've been king, I've had nations. I'm a mighty warrior. I've killed thousands of guys. I am the biggest king Shecky that ever lived. Of all of that, get wisdom. And Solomon is probably just trying to understand what he can't understand. Why would David be saying? Because he knows of this great thing. Remember when we started? It says, we started in chapter 9. It said, wisdom has built her house. She has set up its seven pillars. Wisdom is a big deal. It has all kinds of pillars. It possesses insight. It has knowledge. All these different things. It dwells with prudence. There's like a uh, all a connection of what wisdom is. And, and David, at the end of his life, saw that. He got it more and more as he's going through his life. And he wants Solomon, I've messed up. I messed up with your mom. But I want to pass this along before I go. Remember this. And now fast forward. God comes to Solomon. Solomon, young man, you're going to be king. What would you like? It's almost like a genie. It's not a genie because it's God speaking. He says, what would you like? You, know, you only get one chance. <laughs> if it was me, I'm thinking, okay, I, I don't even want to say that at church because it just won't be good. Um, but here, David is saying, Solomon is saying, you know what, Lord, I know what I want. My dad told me, I want wisdom. I want wisdom, insight for you because I know what it meant. The rest of the chapter, you can hear his heart come out in these verses. Listen, my son, accept what I say in the years of your life will be many. I instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to instruction. Do not let it go. Guard it well, for it is your life. Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it. Go on your way. For they cannot rest until they do evil. They are robbed to sleep till they make someone stumble. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter to the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not... 
Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one whole, to one whole, whole body. Keep your, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. Do you see in those words that heart that King David wanted to give to Solomon? And Solomon is now telling his son this great gift of wisdom. So, a few things left in this. I look at these as God's uh, commands, his teaching, and his instruction to us. And he says, my son, in verse, I'm skipping last few parts here, in chapter 6, verse, what verse is that? Like I was telling the others, when you get to 40, I don't know, I don't know when it was, 6, 7, 8, man, it's like a lithium battery. Have you ever noticed a lithium battery in the cold weather? It goes like this, and then when it's done, it's done. Whereas an alkaline battery sort of goes like that. This, uh, your eyesight, at f anyhow, you'll see. <laughs> um, these, so here's this thing, this instruction that God gives in verse 620. My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them always on your heart. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they'll watch over you. When I had my first kid, I don't do that now because uh, I don't watch over them like that, you know. But when it's your first kid, I just sit there. He'd be sleeping, he'd just a little baby, and I'd just be white. Wait, can, wait until he woke up. Man, that's so cool. And you know what? That's what God is doing to us. He's watching over us while we're sleeping. His, these instructions. I said, what? Do you really love me that much? Does a God care about us that much? It, he does. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you. This very God that we worship wants to speak to you each day. For this command is a lamp. This teaching is a light. And, and correction and instruction are the way to life all of those things uh, give us hope pretty soon here if you want to come up a few things to wrap up here with you guys in this book the Bible it, have you ever I'm just passing these these are out sort of not part of the sermon but I just thought I would throw them in at the end do you want joy do you know how to get joy? The Bible says to promote peace. First time I heard it, I thought, what? No, I didn't say it. That's what the Bible says. Listen, those who promote peace have joy. Okay, I guess I need to start doing it. That's what God's wisdom is, but we don't think like that, right? We want joy? Go buy a new car. That'll make you feel good. No, God says, don't do that. Go promote peace, have joy. Whoa, that's cool. Want to be rewarded? Respect the command. Whoever respects the command is rewarded. Do you want to be honored? The Bible says whoever heeds correction shows prudence. 
want to gain understanding. Do you guys know how to gain? First time I read that, I, Lord, I get wisdom and knowledge, understanding, but how can I gain it? Uh, all of a sudden I come along, there it was, 1532. The one who heeds correction gains understanding. So if you're wanting to find a wife or a husband that, that is, has understanding, one of the key things is look for someone who heeds correction. Because do you see how they're all connected? The Lord, it's like a passageway back and forth he has. Want a discerning heart, seeks knowledge. Want God's favor? Man, I want God's favor. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will in favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. There's so much here that I want to go over with you. I'm going to skip all that and just say, this is the great exchange God offers to pick his way or pick ours. Throughout history, most of us have picked our own way and we've screwed up our lives because of it. Because I want to do it mine. Step aside, you ain't the man. I know I'm not. I'm a, I need God. I need his face to shine upon us. God offers up a beautiful hope for each of you. I see some of you here and your families have been coming here for years. And as I look at you, I don't tell you this because I don't talk to anybody. My wife is like, Jesus, she loves everybody and I, for the most part, don't. Well, I do, but I just, I try to get out the door first and, you know, just... She does the talking, whatever. Um, but when I see your guys' family, you guys are putting riches in your family. Riches. Here's this verse. 24.3. By wisdom a house is built. By understanding knowledge. Remember, that's knowledge of the Holy One. By understanding it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. Where can you get that? Outside of wisdom. There is no house. Each of you that are doing this with your family, putting God first, seeking his face, your rooms are rich. Your house is rich. This house, you're letting God build. The great exchange God asks of you Will you take yours for his? Yeah. How does that work? You know, in the, Old, in the Old Testament, God's way of doing it, he puts the singers in front of the army. What? Can you imagine if you're a singer in the Israelite army? Dude, you're up front. You've got point. Where's, what am I going with? Uh, nothing. You're singing. Oh, you know, I wouldn't want to be that. Why is that? Because God is first. That's why it worked. Put God first in your life. The Great Exchange. Thank you again for listening. It is a joy to be able to share God's truth with you. Hopefully you found this teaching helpful to your understanding of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in today's world. And hopefully you are inspired to take a further step of faith. Please let us know how we can be praying for you as you continue your journey. If you live in the Anchorage area, you are welcome to join us any Sunday. And we have an Awaken 101 event every six weeks. And this is also a great way to find out more about our church. 
Please sign up for that event by going to the events tab at our website, awakenalaska.com, and looking for Awaken 101. Feel free to share this podcast with your friends, and we will see you next week.